Hey, I'm Steve Holt, the senior pastor of The Road at Chapel Hills. This is The Road Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My heart is to empower you to change the world. I hope this message impacts you. We're blessed to have Sean Foy with us. And Sean is such a powerful friend. And Jay, his assistant, I'm getting to know Jay. But here's what I love about these two guys. Two things. I love that they're young and they got their whole life before them. You guys, man, I was, when I was your age, you know, I was doing my thing in Asia. And I was going for it. And, uh, and now I'm here. And, and I now get to be a part of watching young people like you come and get raised up. And I'm so proud of you guys. And you, you have families. You're married. You could be totally comfortable. You could just be sitting back and, I mean, have cush jobs. I mean, Sean could lead worship anywhere, any church in the country. Jay could be a pastor at any church in the country. And they're in an arena that they chose by God's calling. I know it's God's calling. You didn't choose it, but God chose you, but you could have said no. And you've gone into some of the darkest places of the country, 90 cities, you guys. Nobody does that. I mean... I mean, even the Rolling Stones, when they were doing, when they were at the peak of their career, weren't doing 90 cities in like 11 months. But these guys have, and they're going into the grittiest, roughest, most difficult places in, on the planet, quite frankly, because we are a very, very violent country. We're one of the most violent countries in the world. And instead of complaining about it or worrying about it, these guys have gone into it. And, and you're going to hear that. And, and I just think we're going to be blessed by what Sean has to share. Sean, come up. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Y'all better stop with all this. I'm going to have to move to Colorado. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't take much, trust me. Um, I grew up in Montana, and... Uh, yeah, I grew up in Montana until I was about 12 years old and um, hated Californians, <laughs> as every Montanan does. Um, and that's why I think, you know, God is so funny that he would then send us to move to California, a place I said, I will never live. <laughs> you know, I lived in Dallas, and, or, or in, in Texas, North Texas. I lived in um, central Pennsylvania. Virginia Beach, uh, Oklahoma, a lot of really great conservative people in those places. And then, boom, God dropped us in California. And, uh, you know, a little bit of my story, some of you guys have, have heard it before and maybe know a little bit of the backstory. I have a book called Brazen, um, Be a Voice, Not an Echo. I think they're actually sold out of these back there, but you can grab this on Amazon. It's kind of the it's really, uh, I wanted to share it this morning because it's the precursor of this season that we're in now. So um, the first chapter opens up with me really just feeling like I was a failure um, about a year and a half ago, or actually a year and, a year and two months ago when I lost um, in the election as I was running for a con as a conservative in California. Yeah, I don't recommend that. Uh, <laughs> unless you have an angel open a scroll. Uh, but it's funny, it's, it's, it's amazing how, I was thinking about this this morning, how God, he tricks us into doing all these things. And I, I just, and that's part of my process was I felt like God had tricked me into doing that. And, 
and I lost, and I, I'm like, I ruined my whole life. Like, I was at the apex of my career as a musician, as a worship leader, as a songwriter. You know, people liked me because I was a missionary as well, and so 20 years we've been spending, you know, going to dark and hard nations around the world. That's really our heart. And, and I stand up to do this political thing simply because I'm looking at the future of my children and deeply concerned. Been praying the prayers that God would raise up a, you know, a, a pro-life movement to overturn Roe v. Wade. I've been praying the prayers that God would protect the innocence of our kids. You know, it, 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 I've been praying the prayers that God would, would, would transform the education system in America. I've been praying all these prayers, and then finally the Lord was like, well, it's time for you to become a fulfillment of them. And so when that didn't happen and I blew up my whole career and half the people in America hated me, or maybe more, I don't know, um, I had no idea that that season was just preparation for one that was way more intense to come. And I, I, didn't, even, and, and I didn't even realize how intense it really was um, until we're right in the middle of it. And I, I'll never forget this, I was with Lou we were riding to D.C., to the D.C. event, you know. Um, we had almost 40,000 people show up in Washington, D.C. last year. The largest church service in America was on the mall in D.C. Let us worship. And I was telling Lou, man, we're getting all these death threats and, and, and all this stuff, you know, like legitimate stuff. Not just online and trolls, but like letters to our house. People, you know, Satanists are running after us with blood in different cities. Antifa, you know, I mean, crazy stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, it's so wild, Lou. Like, I'm sure you've been through that. And he's like, no, never been through that. It's like, cool, cool. <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess this is a different level, you know. Um, but what's wild is, is that when everything, you know, there are times as worshipers where we're just called to go to war. And, you know, it's like David, and, and I'm, I'm just praying, I, I hope even my story is an encouragement to some of you because, like, we have to stop worrying about being misunderstood. You know, David showed up, like, everybody was lulled to sleep under the spewing of Goliath. They were just used to it. Like, like, they were just used to partnering with just, oh, we'll just put Goliath over here and deal with him. He's going to do his thing. And David shows up and he goes, who the heck is this guy? That he can talk like that, that he can speak like that. And the judgments against David was the fact his brother said, David, you just want to be here because you probably just want to get a selfie with Goliath. You just want to be in the middle of things. And they mistook his confidence in the Lord for arrogance. And David was the one that had to wake them up. You know, he had to, he had to remind them, hey, listen, we don't partner with the enemy. We obliterate the enemy. <laughs> and it took that warrior spirit. And, and so anyway, the Lord had been, had been uh, you know, I guess preparing me in, the, in these nations and everything. So when uh, this America shut down, Lost the election. My wife and I were just licking our wounds from this, just getting beat up, you know, and frustrated at the church for not backing us, if I was just honest, and just like so, lost so many friends in that process. And, you know, meanwhile, we're literally just standing for the values that we all believe in, you know, putting ourselves out there. And, and then everything shuts down. The virus happens. California's the most restrictive. And then our interesting, hilarious governor 
says that we can't sing. <laughs> I know you guys have an interesting uh, governor too, but, um, you know, the fact that these guys, they, here, here's what's wild about this. Like, the fact that these guys can say these things is one thing. The fact that people actually do it, comply, blows my mind. And, and I mean, I could do a whole message on the Romans 13 thing and how that's so taken out of context. I mean, listen, like, there is no biblical theology that allows the government to tell us how and when to worship God. There's no precedent for that in history. In fact, the opposite is true. We can see 2,000 years of history where the church has worshiped through pandemic, through persecution. I tell people, I'm like, listen, are you kidding me? I'm not gonna allow a 99.9% .9 survivable virus to stop me from worshiping God. You're out of your mind. <laughs> and and listen, my family's all in healthcare. My, I'm the only non-doctor in my family. I don't know what that says about me, but. <laughs> and so I understand that it's real. I understand, that it, I, I get all that. But the point is, is that this is a season in America where it's really exposed. It's really exposed how courageous we are, how willing we are to be misunderstood. And do we fear God above man? I mean, I deal with this with my friends, I deal with this, and we, when we stood up, I thought the Congress season was wild. When we stepped into this season, it was a level I never imagined. I mean, I'll never, I was sharing a little bit last night, but, you know, we were, we were worshiping, uh, you know, it was just a spontaneous thing happened on the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, we went down to, the, to uh, uh, Huntington Beach, a thousand people showed up, and then these, these cities that were exploding with violence, Portland, Seattle, like I just kept, the Lord kept speaking to me about bringing worship into these cities, and I'm like, God, like, and he's like, just like you've done in Iraq in front of ISIS, just like you've done in Afghanistan with the Taliban, you're, you're called to do it in your own nation, and I'm like, God, I don't even like America. <laughs> like... I tried, I tried to change things, like send me back to the nations, like, you know, and, and, and all these, I had my friends, all my, my underground church friend leaders in China, India, Iran, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, when this whole thing was shut down, they were texting me going, hey, Sean, remember, don't listen to those guys. Remember what we've taught you. Remember how we worship. We worship 3,000 people, probably the largest worship service in the history, modern history of Saudi Arabia. Happened two, three years ago. I was invited to this thing. I thought it was gonna be like 10 people there. And I show up and 3,000 Saudi Arabians. They're not, they're, there's no warm up music in those countries. They're not like trying to warm themselves up. They don't, they don't do that. They were wild. They were worshiping for four hours straight before I even got there. And then I got a guitar and I'm like, I, I don't even, uh, they're singing and worshiping. I'm just trying to follow them the whole time. You know, and so, and so, and we began to see, you know, the, and so that impartation was so vital. So we're going into Portland and, you know, the mayor, uh, the, the sheriff calls me, 
You know, he, he's, a, he's a great guy, calls me, he's asked me, begs me, please don't come into Portland. We can't control the city. We can't control Antifa. We got the feds everywhere. We don't even know who the feds are. Our own police officers are. We got, you know, people getting stabbed and killed. We don't even have the ability to chase down all of the aggressors. And, and I, I'll never forget, I felt that oppressive Pacific Northwest demonic spirit it was like attacking me, like, yeah, just back down, Sean. And then I had pastors, several pastors, emailing me, calling me, saying, how dare you call our worshipers to come to a dangerous part of the city? And I was thinking, see, this is where our theology got a little messed up. Those are the places we're called to go to. <laughs> and I almost canceled it, and I, I felt like, and then, and then I, I shared the story last night. I had <laughs> my Russian friends. Brother Sean, we will meet you tomorrow. We got the sound system. You know, and I love going with the Russians, you know, because they, they tell me all the time, we refuse to allow the place where we live to become like where we fled. And, uh, and so we threw up a graphic and called people to worship and 6,000 people showed up in downtown Portland. And at the time, I could, it was hard to even get credibility with the charismatic church. I'm like, the prophesying church. You know, I couldn't even get the, the people that like, we prophesy this, we sing this, we share this. And then after Portland, you know, thank God, people like Franklin Graham were like, whatever this kid's doing, this is God. We gotta get behind him. He posted on Facebook, it was the number one shared post on Facebook in the world that day. Isn't that crazy? But anyway, so this has just been a wild journey, and my connection here, and I just want to honor Pastor Steve. Can we just honor this wild man, this hunter, Davidic heart? When he called me up, and he contacted me, and he said, We're, we need to do this in Colorado Springs, and I was just waiting. I was praying, you know. I'm like, God, bring us to the mountains, please. Like, I want to worship with this epic view, you know, like when I, like growing up in Montana, and he was like, let's do it in Colorado Springs, and, and he fought through it and, and was willing to, you know, take, get pounded by the press and was willing to endure the criticism he did, and six or 7,000 people showed up in Colorado Springs to worship God. And it was a moment that really marked me, you know, and we're going to do it again tonight in Denver. And, you know, Denver, I, I've been saying, you know, this has been one of the hardest cities to mobilize out of any city in America. Getting these pastors like, listen guys, we're just trying to worship Jesus. Your city needs it, you know? So we're gonna get them though, don't you worry. I want you to turn to Acts 16 real quick, Acts 15, I wanna read this quickly. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna do something different. Turn to uh, Matthew 16. So this is the moment we're in in America, in America. The American church, we're going through this identity crisis of trying to discover who we are. Are we cool, church? Are we like a Christian club? Are we relevant? Are we making sure that we don't offend people? Gosh, I just, I love that you said weird. I'm just ready for the weird Christians to rise up. I just feel like we're gonna look back at our life and think we just tried so hard to fit in when we were never supposed to in the first place. And I love this verse in Matthew 16 because Jesus is asking Peter, listen, 
After three years of traveling with him, seeing the signs and wonders, seeing the miracles, seeing the feeding of the 5,000, hearing the Sermon on the Mount, seeing all the theology, Peter is still kind of like, well, I don't really know. <laughs> you know, the disciples bring me great solace because I personally haven't ever walked and talked with Jesus and seen the miracles. I don't know if any of you guys have personally, but these guys were eyewitnesses of everything and it still took them a bit. So Jesus goes to, goes to Peter and he goes, hey, listen, um, who do people say I am? The famous question that we all have to ask. Not who does the mob say I am? Who does social media say I am? No, no, who do you say I am? And Peter goes, oh, well, pff, that's easy. I mean, some people say this. They say that you're Elijah. Others say that you're Jeremiah. Some people say that you're this. Jesus goes, no, that wasn't my question. I'm not, this is, I'm not looking for public opinion. I'm asking you, what do you personally profess about who I am? And, and Peter goes, um, um, hold on, let me think, let me think. Uh, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And all of heaven goes, finally. <laughs> you know, the angels are working overtime to convince this guy, you know. It's like, yes, he finally gets it. And Peter goes, he goes, Jesus goes, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. The only way you can catch that revelation is from the Father. This is how you catch that revelation is from the Father. It's not from the media. It's not from the narrative of the world. It's not from whatever. It's from the Father. And so Jesus goes, bless you. And so he says, in, in return for you professing who I am, I'm going to profess who you are. The only way you can find identity, and this is where I feel like we're shifting. Listen, the post-COVID church looks a lot different than the pre-COVID church. All the research is suggesting that at the very most, the George Barner research says at the very most, 60% of the church is going to return. The very most. But I can tell you what I've seen across America in 90 cities. If this is the church, if this is the 60%, I'll take this any day of the week. Because, I mean, we are, we are seeing things I would never dream of in my life. The church is getting her roar back. We're getting our grit back. We're getting our courage back. We're finally starting to stand up for stuff. And COVID in this season of oppression and intensity that's been hard for so many of us, it's really refined us and it's really showed us what we're made of. And more than anything, it showed us what we think about who he is. And so Jesus goes, okay, here's your job, job description. As long as you know who I am, you know, and, and it's like we're moving past the self-help gospel. We're moving past the look inward into yourself to find out you ain't gonna find nothing good when you look inward. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And if you believe that theology, you can get free today. Just, just look inward and just find your, you know, and I'm a millennial, you know, and that's the thing, just... Let's just find our inner. I'm like, y'all are messed up, man. You ain't gonna find nothing good in there. Jesus goes, because you professed who I am, this is who you are. And he says, you are Peter, and on this rock, ecclesia. The word rock there, ecclesia, means ruling body government. <laughs> She's with me. You know what that means? You're kind of a big deal. 
Turn to someone and say, you're kind of a big deal. This is not a club where we're gathering to sing three fast and three slow and punch our card on the way out the door. You establish the government on the earth. We're worshiping, we're singing, we're praying. And guess what's happening in the spiritual realm around us? God is sitting enthroned on the praises of his people. This is why we go to D.C. Because when we go and worship there, we're building a government higher than the White House, higher than the Capitol. And this is why we're going back in September and all y'all are going to come. Because now more than ever, we need the government of God in America. But Jesus is giving Peter the job description. You are the ecclesia, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It's so funny, man, these, these funny politicians, they just, they don't understand the church. And the enemy overplayed his hand. Well, I'll get them really good. I'm gonna shut every church down and release a demonic virus and make them all fearful. It's like, uh-oh, guess what you just did? The church left the building. <laughs> now we're taking over the parks. Now we're taking over the beach. Now we're taking over the downtown. And the enemy overplayed his hand and he had no idea what was coming. <laughs> I mean, you should have seen it. <laughs> I wish all of you could have seen the moment when we showed up in the CHOP autonomous zone in Seattle. 3,000 Christians rolled up in there. Antifa was like, what is happening? <laughs> they, had, they, they didn't know what to do. And we were just declaring, listen, Malachi 111, from the rising to the setting of the sun, every place incense is gonna arise. Every square inch of planet Earth is the Lord's. There's not one place, whether it's in society or whether it's real estate on planet Earth, that can have any safety from worship. We're taking it all. <laughs> so he says, the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Isaiah 22, 22 has been one of the key verses for my life. It's a prophetic word I got when I was a kid. You know, the, the, the key of David that shuts doors that no man can shut and opens doors that no man can open. It's worship. This is what you guys were doing for three days here. Some of y'all are like, man, all these crazy worshipers from all, they were over here and they hijacked the church and they wouldn't stop singing. Guess what? That's the new normal. Get ready. That's, that's not just a once a year thing. That's about to be an everyday thing. <laughs> and you know what? One day the song's never gonna stop. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus is telling Peter, listen, you may have an identity crisis that you're just coming out of. You may have, what's, what's incredible is he's releasing this authority on Peter who's kind of a messed up guy still. He's coming out of hiding. He's coming out of his, you know, and this is before Peter denies Jesus a few chapters later. Jesus is reminding him, this is your identity what you bind, what you loose, what you break, it, this is a big deal. What you carry, the authority that you carry is a big deal. This is what the church in America, this is the, the identity crisis we're walking through right now. I had this prophetic, prophetic moment with my kids when we were watching The Lion King. <laughs> I have four kids. So I take prophetic moments however they come. 
Watching the Lion King, you know, Simba's walking through, I was sharing this, you know, he's walking, walking in, the, in, the, in the jungle, it's the part of the movie where he lost his father and he's depressed and hopeless and scars out to kill him and he's mangy and he's, he's like the most saddest, depressed lion there is. It's like when you go to the zoo, you know, as a kid, and you're like, I want to see the lion, you know. That's all I wanted to see. You go to the zoo and it's like this fat lion that's like rolling around. They like cut his nails off. He's like domesticated. There's nothing scary about him. That's like zoo lions. But when you go to Africa and you're on their turf, it's a different ball game. I remember the first time I went to Africa, I'm like, man, you know, my friend was like, what is the one thing that you want to do? I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to, to, to camp out where the lions are. And he looks at me and goes, are you sure you want to do that? I was like, yeah, I want to do that. He's like, all right. So we went out, this is a true story, we went out to this park with all these lions just roaming around. And we went into this little, this little like uh, cabin, really thin wall cabin. And all night long, all I heard was the roaring of the lions. And every time they roared, the whole cabin shook. I didn't sleep for a minute that night. Because when you're on their turf, they roar to remind you whose authority it is that owns that. <laughs> Lions in the zoo don't do that. Lions in the zoo are like, Ugh, you know. This is the shifting of what's taking place in America. So um, anyway, in that movie, Sim Simba looks down in the puddle on the ground, and he, instead of seeing a picture of himself, this depressed and hopeless and dejected, he sees a picture of his father. He remembers his identity. And I feel like what we've encountered over the last three days and what happens in the place of worship is we remember who we are again. We get rid of the divisive narratives and the rhetoric of the media and the, and the fear of, uh, that's raptured in our culture and we, we get out of this whole thing and we go, oh, that's right, you are the son of God. That's right, when I worship and pray, things shift. That's right, I carry divine authority to bind, to lose, to set free. And just now in this season, we're stepping into an awakening across America like you never would imagine. I want to show you these pictures real quick from the Jesus People Movement. Anybody remember that? Any hippies in here? Come on. Any Jesus People Movement hippies? So here we go. This is the, this is the six, late 60s, early 70s in California. Now, why, why did God start this thing in California? Because he's funny. And he wants to use the most restrictive place in America, the most difficult place to worship in this season, to shift the whole world. So this is the beach here. <laughs> I love this guy over here just basking in the glory. That would be like you, Steve, just, just hippied out, you know. Just, he's just caught up in a moment. Signs, wonders, miracles, people getting baptized, people high, uh, you know, Blitzed out on drugs, getting baptized, getting sobered up, visions, dreams. I mean, the incredible launching that came from this movement that changed America, centralized a lot, happened in Southern California. And so when God gave us this word about, hey, this is a new Jesus people movement in America. It's gritty, it's raw, it's wild. Now, keep in mind, we get this word, and I'm a worship leader, 
at like a mega church that is like the coolest of the cool. I mean, we're cool, man. It looks good, it sounds good, it's amazing. People got skinny jeans. I mean, it is just like the spot. And the Lord says, no, I'm awakening a raw, rowdy, wild, undomesticated movement. And so he began to speak this to us and I had a dream. I was like, God, I wonder if you would do it again in Corona Del Mar, looking at these pictures. I wonder if you'd do it again. Last weekend, this is what happened in Corona Del Mar. Look at that. How wild is that? This is Southern California. This is like mega church heaven, right? But guess what? All the churches are shut. So it's time to go to the cliffs, baby. It's time to find our voice again. It's time to get raw. <laughs> and I love it. In Newport Beach, we told the mayor, we said, hey, heads up, we're going to come take over Newport Beach. He's like, all right, I guess I can't do anything. We're, we're like, you're right, you can't. We're coming. We set up the biggest sound system there. They didn't have that sound system in the Jesus People Movement. And then at the end of the worship, people getting healed, saved, delivered, suicide being broken. People were coming up that had been cutting. They had marks from cutting from suicide. Their cutting marks were dissolved. I mean, crazy, guys. And then we were like, all right, we got to go to the cliffs. And we went to the cliffs, and the water's freezing. People just one after another getting baptized presence of God. I'm telling you, we are in the middle of a new Jesus people movement in America. These are some of the greatest days to be alive. Are you with me? We are the church. Matthew 16. God is reminding us who we really are again. This is why there's such a battle over worship. Because it's who we are. It's what we're called to do. And when we do it, things change. Situations shift. I mean, I wish you guys could have seen it last night at the altar. People getting delivered. Every time I come to this region, one of the biggest things, and we're gonna go after it in Denver tonight, because right down the street from where we're gathering, three kids, 10 years or younger, tried to kill themselves last week. There's a spirit of suicide and death on this region that we are going to annihilate in the name of Jesus. There's a depression, a heaviness, and we're gonna break it through worship. And you know why the enemy is coming with that over this region? Because there's such a call of God on worship in the Rocky Mountains that he's trying everything he can do. We had, we, we're having worship leaders that have been battling suicide and depression, getting free. In fact, if you're in here and you've been battling suicide or depression in any measure, I just want you to raise your hand. I want you to stand up. Come on, just stand up. Be bold. Stand up. Stand up. We're going to break this thing off right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's cheer for them. Come on, cheer for them. Cheer for them. Come on. Come on, the Holy Spirit is here. I want you to get around them right now. I'm going to break off this foul, demonic spirit. We have the power and the authority to bind, to loose, to set free. I just feel the love of the Father coming over some of you. You haven't felt a wave like this in a long time. And the Father is coming with identity this morning to mark your life. I speak identity over you. 
You will live and you will not die. 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 Enemy, you can have no part of their destiny. We bind the spirit of heaviness. We bind the spirit of depression. We bind the spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus. We release the light. We release the hope. We release the fragrance of God over their life right now. Come on, just keep praying over them. This stuff's breaking right now. This is a moment. (laughs) Come on. Come on, keep praying. We are breaking this thing off this region in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening to The Road Podcast. It's been my joy to be a part of your life today. And you know, that's part of what we do here at The Road, and this is what I do in having this Road Podcast, is to empower people to change their world. My passion and desire is that you would take God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit and make that relevant for your life. You know, the reality is that God has placed your life here on this earth to make a difference. And if you'd like more information about how to grow in Christ, if you need prayer, if you want more equipping in different areas of your life, go to theroad.org. God bless you.